Hello Life Changes Church, we are in our Move Again series as we look through the book of Exodus and how God took the Israelites out of slavery, through the wilderness and into his promises. So why don't you grab a notebook and pen and enjoy this sermon. What would it be like if God moved into your neighborhood, like into your suburb, into your street, maybe got the house next door to you? Just, just imagine what that would be like, that God was just there, like any time you wanted him. You could go and see him, you could chat, you could talk over the, the back fence as you're hanging the washing out. S- someone who would lend a hand, someone who could help. He would invite you over for a braai, to, to drink some robots and chew on biltong, knock it off with some cook sisters. Like... I don't know how you guys say those words, seriously. (laughs) Imagine having God simply living right there in your neighborhood that any time you wanted, he was there to support you and encourage and walk with you. Well, we're doing a great series throughout the book of Exodus, which is called Move Again. And we're looking at how God moves his people from slavery into the promised land, but we're focusing on that 40 years in the wilderness. When God moved, they moved, and guess what? When God moves now, we move with him. That's where we're going, looking at them through the barren wilderness. Now, can I suggest to you, the wilderness is not much fun. And God's people were finding it difficult Sure, he'd rescued them, but 40 years in the barren wilderness, and many of them felt like God had let them down. Like they knew God was there, they knew he was leading them, but it just didn't feel like it. Because they'd been separated so many times. They were separated from God when they were slaves, and they hadn't made it to the promised land, and like there was a lot to complain about. So they complained about the food, and even when God gave them food, they complained about the menu selection. They complained about the water. They complained about Moses. They complained about the senior pastor. They complained about the leadership. And they were saying, why did you lead us out here? Why are you doing this? Uh, Just to refresh you, Exodus 14, verse 11. Exodus 14, 11, they said to Moses... Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out to Egypt? Didn't we say to you back in Egypt, Oh, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. If you're feeling alone in your faith, If you want to move forward, but it just feels so hard, and it might even feel like you've been abandoned by God, are you ready to discover what happens when God moves into your neighborhood? So, Bibles at the ready, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 25. If you've got your Bible there, follow along with me. Make sure I'm not just making this up. We're starting off to look at God's plan to move in. And we're going to start by looking at a thing called God's tabernacle. 
So in Exodus 25, God has asked every person to come and bring an offering. And why does he want this particular offering? Exodus 25, verse 8. God's instructions. Have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. God says, I want you to build a tabernacle. Now, tabernacle is just a fancy word for a tent. Build me a tent. Now, why would God want a tent? Like, seriously, does God need a tent? Like, when you go camping, you need a tent. Right, you get the out there and you put the tent up and that you need the tent. It's to protect you from the cold. It's to protect you from the wet. It's to, it's to keep you safe. But God is the Lord and the creator and the master of the universe. He doesn't need a tent to protect him. Why does he want a tent? Verse 8 again. Have them make a sanctuary, a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Do you understand that back in the garden, God had cast them out of the garden because of their disobedience and they were separated from him. In Egypt as slaves, they felt abandoned by God. Throughout the wilderness, they're feeling like God's leading them down the garden path. When Moses was back on the mountain to receive the commandments, God's people couldn't even touch the mountain. There was a separation going on there. And right now, this promised land that God's talking about, they are way separated from that promised land. And God says is, I'm moving in. Build me a tent. Verse 9 again. Make this tent tabernacle or this tent with all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show them now this was a kind of a big thing like have a look at it we've got an artist's impression here it's got gold it's got curtains it's got lampstands it's a huge courtyard like and these over a million people walking through the wilderness, camping for a day, camping for a week, moving on the whole time. And day after day when they moved, they would have to dismantle this thing. Like this is not one of those instant pop-up tents. You know, you go camping, you get the package, you open the zipper and the tent just sort of pops out in front of you and somehow rivets itself to the ground. This is not one of them. It would have been a major, major exercise with over a million people camping in the desert. Right at the center is this symbol of God and his presence and his love and his mercy. Now, what's in this tabernacle? Stacks of things. Can we focus on one? God's ark is in this tent. Exodus 25, next verse, verse 10. Have them make an ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. This is this big box. This is another artist's impression. Overlaid with gold, a symbol of God's presence. This is the ark of the covenant which they carried everywhere to symbolize God was there. 
It would, it would look like a throne for God to sit on. It would look like a footstool for the creator of his universe to place his feet on. It's a message that said, God is here. Now, what's in the Ark of the Covenant? Can I focus on the main thing? God's word is there. Look over to verse 16. We're still in chapter 25. Verse 16. Then put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law which I give to you. You know those tablets of stone that Moses has had God's word written upon it? He says, put my word there and you take my word with you wherever you go. My word will never leave you. And if you want to know what I think on an issue, you want to know how to obey me, my word will tell you. The tabernacle is there for God to say, I live with you. The ark is there for God to say, I rule over you. And the tablets of stone are there for God to say, I speak to you. Now, what's the purpose for God setting up this elaborate contraption just, just to remind his people that he is in their midst. What is his purpose? Well, number one, God is saying, it's to meet with you. You are my people. I want to meet with you. Over in chapter 29, let's go to verse 42. Exodus 29, verse 42. For the generations to come this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. There I will meet you. And whatever you think about God, can I assure you, today, God still wants to meet with you. There's a second reason. God wants to speak with his people. Can we do verse 42 one more time? The generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. There I will meet you and speak to you. God wants to speak with you. God never shows up without wanting to speak with you. He wants your interaction. He wants that fellowship. He wants you to pray. He wants you to read his word so that there's a dialogue going through as you get to know who he is. Number three reason, it's to dwell with you. Chapter 29, and we'll just go down to verse 45. Then I will dwell among the Israelites... And I will be their God. This is the great covenant promise. I will be your God. And you will be my people. And this tabernacle was a marker for God to say, it's real, it's happening, I'm there, I'm there in the middle. And God always wants to move in. He wants to move into your street. He wants to move into your family. He wants to move into your life. He wants to move into your friendships. He wants you to move into your school, into your workplace, and to be with you every step of the way. So that, number four, you will know him. Next verse, verse 46. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord. 
Why did God rescue his people out of slavery in Egypt? That he might dwell among them. That is God's passion. Why did God rescue you out of slavery in sin? Because he wanted to meet with you and dwell among you. And we now know that God will never leave you because Jesus came and died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, given us his spirit and has promised God will never leave you. So can we just ask like a logical question at this point? Like, what difference does this make? Like, if you hadn't heard this information tonight, seriously, what difference would it make to your everyday moments? Now, for the Israelites, it made a big difference. We've already worked out God didn't need a tent. The tent was not for his benefit. It was a reminder to the Israelites that he was there. And imagine you're one of those Israelites. Come on, the wilderness is tough. You're not sure where you're going. Where is this promised land? Is God really here? What a difference it would have made to them to know that God had moved into their neighborhood and that God lived right there with them. And imagine the difference that would make when it was time to gather together and worship God, knowing that God was right there. Imagine the difference it would make when Moses would teach them God's word. God was right there. When it was time to pray, when it was time to give, when it was time to help somebody in need, when they were traipsing around the wilderness for 40 years, in nowhere near the promised land. They had the cloud leading them by day. God led them by fire at night. They had the tablets of God's word. They're carrying the covenant every single step of the way. And every night as they went down, that tent was in the middle of their community to remind them God is here and he dwells with his people. You can know for sure that God is with you and will never leave you. It made the world of difference to God's people in that wilderness. And he strengthened them for every obstacle that they would face. Quick fast forward to the end of the 40 years, just as Joshua is actually going to take them into the promised land. This is what God says. Joshua 1 verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses so I will be with you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Can you imagine the difference it made to those people struggling in this barren wilderness? I will never leave you. So just imagine for a moment, right now, here in the 21st century, just imagine... Imagine that God actually did move into your neighborhood. Like, imagine he's in your suburb, you know, the place next door to you. He's right there. He's in your school. He's in your work. Just just imagine God actually moved in. What if you knew that God had actually arrived here, was in the center of God's people as we're a community? If you were totally aware of that, what difference would it make to what you do? Like seriously, if you knew that God actually was saying, I am right here, I am in the middle of you, what difference would that make when we sing to him? 
What difference would it make when we pray to him? What difference would it make as God's word is taught to him? What difference would it make when we're encouraging somebody else? What difference would it make when it's time to give and to go and bless other people who don't have such much? What if God was right there in your life group, in your Bible study group every time? What if, what if he moved into your daily, daily devotions, you know, just you and God in his word? What if he was there with all your mates and all your friends? What if you knew for certain that in the boyfriend, girlfriend, department, that God was actually there in the midst watching and guiding the whole thing? What difference would it make when you're surfing the waves or surfing the web. Hang on, wait a minute. God is already here. You're imagining what it would be like if he moved into the neighborhood. Can I tell you, by the Holy Spirit, God has already moved into the neighborhood and he is already here in the midst of his people and he's with you in your great times and he's with you in your difficult times. And in the Bible, God always puts a marker down to assure his people that he's still there. Adam and Eve in the garden, they could hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the evening. A reminder that he was there. In the wilderness, there is the tabernacle to remind them. When Jerusalem is founded, there is the temple to remind them. And right now, what is the marker that God has put down so that you will know for certain that he lives in our midst and he's never leaving? Can I jump to Jesus? John chapter 1 verse 14. You know this verse. The Word, that's Jesus. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us when Jesus was born. Now, that translation made his dwelling. Guess what word that is? He tabernacled amongst us. Have you got that? The marker that we have to know for certain that God is here is that Jesus tabernacled amongst us, born as a man, and God says, I am in the midst of you. And if you're thinking, well, hang on, physically Jesus isn't here anymore. I seem to remember some story about him rising from the dead and ascending back to heaven. So, where is he again? Can I take you to one more verse? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. Ephesians 2, 22. And in him, that is, in Jesus, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Have you got that? That when you come to Christ and your fellow believers have come to Christ, we are being built together to be a dwelling, a tabernacle, where God will rule by the power of His Holy Spirit. The day you said yes to Jesus, God gave you His Spirit to live in you, to guide you, to assure you, to shape you, to change you, to empower you, and every day, that you live aware of the Spirit's leading, God is reminding you, I have not left you and I am never going to leave you. What would change for you if you were aware of the power of the Spirit's presence in every moment, the good times and the difficult stuff? 
Oh, we would fall down and worship God like we never have before. We would listen to every word that he said. We would pray like our hearts really meant it and we would give like there's no tomorrow. If we really understood the power of God's Spirit within us and through his Holy Spirit, God is here. He's right in the midst of our church. He's right in the midst of his people. He's right in the midst of your life. And he's right in the midst of your mess. You might feel alone sometimes. But if you are in Christ, you are never alone. I remember when our second child, Josh, he started school, little five-year-old. Had an older sister, Carly, she would have been eight, he was five. We used to walk just around, we used to live just around the corner from the school. We would walk Carly to school. But we had moved to be further away. It was no longer a walk, it was a bus ride on the school bus. So Carly, aged eight, was given the job to take Joshua, aged five, to school on the bus. All sorts of instructions, you know, something goes wrong on the bus, you talk to the bus driver, something goes, all the safety things you could imagine. And we walked the two of them up to the bus stop and we waited and they looked a little nervous and I was saying, guys, you can do this. And they got on the bus and we waved bye-bye. Now, the bit they didn't know was I dived back to my car and I followed that bus at a discreet distance. <laughs> Every time it stopped, I backed off. I saw who got on, making sure no one got off. I followed it to school and when it parked there, I parked back a little bit and I just saw all the students coming off. I thought, ooh, okay, there's Carly. She's got Joshua and what's going to happen now? There was Carly taking Joshua to his classroom before she went to her classroom. They would have felt a bit alone on that bus, I think. They were going to school without mummy and daddy for the first time. But what they didn't realise was their father <laughs> was hanging around and keeping an eye on them the absolute entire way. And right now, whatever you're going through, if you're feeling alone, if it's a bit of a struggle, if it feels like God has just left you in your mess, can I assure you, God is with you. He is with you every step of the way and he's making sure that you arrive safely. Can I go back? To Exodus 29, verse 45. This is God's word. He says, I will dwell among my people and I will be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of slavery so that I might dwell among them. Come on. Whatever you're facing right now, the God who brought you to it is the God who will lead you through it. The God who's brought you to it is the God who will bring you through it. Those words that God spoke to Joshua just on the verge of the promised lands is the same words that God is speaking to us 
tonight. Joshua 1, verse 5. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Can I pray for everybody who is here? Father, I praise you that with you we are never alone. You haven't just moved in next door. By your Spirit, you've moved inside us. That your Holy Spirit lives in these jars of clay. That we might be precious and valuable in your sight. I pray for each person here. That each one of us will know your Son, Jesus, in such a way that we are aware of your presence, that we're guided by your presence, that we submit to your presence and are ruled by your presence. I pray for people who are facing difficult stuff right now. May we surround them as a community of love. May they know your strength and your comfort in whatever they're facing. And Father God, as a community, help us to lift each other up, guided by your Spirit, so that every one of us arrives safely. Amen. Thank you so much for watching and listening. That was an amazing sermon, and we love seeing what God is doing in and through our lives as we move through the book of Exodus. So, if you'd like to find out more or give the rest of the series a watch or listen, head over to our website, follow us on social media, and get connected. We'll see you soon.